Friends, we're here together again. News Talk 840 KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you want lawyers that share your values. Sam Rajovsky here, your host. Well, let's get to it, shall we? I watched the Biden speech last night, uh, delivered at the Capitol. It was, I think, 20 minutes of mostly the same stuff over and over again. My takeaway is that they are extremely desperate at this point. And they, of course, I mean the Democrats leading up to the election on Tuesday. They are driving home the point, I guess, that democracy is at risk if Republicans win. It's the most important thing. I mean, abortion too, right? But, you know, this was all about the Pelosi attack. Opened up with some... Uh, it t- took actually quite a bit of, of, of time to explain what happened, uh, according to Biden, and the attack on Paul Pelosi at Nancy's house. Uh, talk about the guy yelling, where's Nancy? Which was an echo, an echo of what the angry mobs yelled on January the 6th during the insurrection at the Capitol, the citadel of democracy. I'm just quoting some of these uh, tidbits here from Biden's speech last night. Um Look, political violence, according to Biden, is bad when Republicans do it, but tolerable and acceptable when it's done in the name of progressive causes. At no point did Biden take any time during the speech to denounce the BLM riots that took place that one fateful summer. At no point... Did Biden denounce violence perpetrated against pro-life activists and people providing services, supporting uh, women choosing to carry their children? At no point did Biden mention by example or illustration an act of violence perpetrated by a Democrat against a Republican? It was all about MAGA Republicans bad, MAGA Republicans controlling the Republican Party, and that Americans going to the polls this week must keep this in their minds. So, what do I make of this? I think, yeah, first off, absolutely belies the thing that internally they're, they're freaking out. Uh, They rolled Biden out, put him on the prompter, and had him deliver the speech right now at this time uh, because it was a campaign event. It's all they've got. Now, the problem, the question then becomes, uh, to what extent do people give a crap, right? To what extent are people actually, uh, does this move the needle? Because I think internally within the Democratic Party, this might serve to motivate some voters and get them out to vote, But a fascinating report uh, yesterday on ABC News, Martha Raddatz, who is the news chief global affairs correspondent, global affairs, and guess where they sent her? That's right. They sent her to the international destination of choice, at least for me and for you, which is Las Vegas, Nevada. (laughs) They brought her in. They brought in the big guns. 
because we have, of course, a few hotly contested races here, primarily uh, Adam Laxalt's bid to unseat Cortez Masto. Now, poor Martha did not get very far here in Nevada. She went and talked to a number of voters and found out that, in fact, the question of January 6th, election denial, election, you know, democracy at risk, whatever you want to, however you package it, is not necessarily a a popular uh, selling point. It turns out, instead, that voters care about the economy. What have I been saying here? We know this, don't we, friends? We understand this. Viscerally get the fact that the economy is beginning now to overshadow everything, particularly these histrionics that are not even true, that are, these are, these are false constructs. The idea of January 6th as an insurrection. Uh, The idea that by questioning an election, you are undemocratic. Hell, we're not even allowed to question what happened when the police themselves told us that three guys were at a house, two of them in their underwear, one hammer, and that the hammering occurred when the cop was looking. And we're not allowed to question that. So, right. So uh, questioning, you know, questioning the outcome of an election, of course, when a Republican does it, is bad. And we have many, many, many hours of audio and video where Democrats do exactly the same thing, and they never concede elections. There is a woman right now running to be the governor of Georgia, Stacey Adams, who has not, Abrams, who has not once conceded her last election loss. Let that sink in for a moment. So at any rate, Martha Raddatz talking with her colleague back in studio, David Muir. This is Again, last night, ABC World's Tonight, David Muir asks Ms. Raddatz about Senator Cortez Masto. He says she's emphasizing her rival's embrace, this talking about Adam Laxalt, of false election claims over 2020. You know, and she's saying, she said that Adam Laxalt helped fuel the mob on January 6th. You're on the ground in Nevada. Martha, you're there. And while I know this is a significant issue for many, uh, what's the number one issue in that state? What have you heard from voters? And here's the answer. Yeah, David, even if you ask voters about January 6th or election denial, they turn the conversation to the economy. That is what matters to those voters. That is, of course, what Republicans are trying to focus on. But Democrats are urging Nevada voters to stick with them and trying to convince them they can turn it around. That's it. And I I watched the report and I saw it. And they're interviewing a, a couple of really nice people. and go, look, we're on Social Security. Inflation's killing us, so we we need relief. And the Democrats at the helm of, of this economy now for two years, right? There's What have they been doing? They're focusing on January 6th. Meanwhile, the, the, the economy's a dumpster fire, and they're, they're, it's, at this point, we are too little too late. Now, we've all heard the expression doubling down on failure, 
um, a poor decision now being made worse. You still have Biden harking, harping, I should say, on this, on this, on this J6 issue. The insurrection, the mob, democracy at risk. No one cares. People are tuning him out. And all it is doing to us, for us Republicans, we're listening to this and we're not extremists. We're not Nazis. We're not fascists. We're not any of the things that we get accused of being day in and day out by our president. I think Biden just fundamentally is making a terrible political mistake. It is, of course, as people are pushing him to do this, it's, uh, he's not necessarily mentally there. But the political miscalculation is to constantly point his finger at half the country and call us names. You don't have to love the result of an election to love your country. He scolded us last night. Excuse me, sir. I think we are very good as conservatives about loving our country. We love our country very much. We just don't love you. <laughs> That's the problem we have. It's the Democrats that don't love their country that take every opportunity to crap on the greatness of America that want to at every turn, the minute they get to the levers of power, begin to disassemble everything that makes this country great. Every time you hear white patriarchy, when you hear fascist, Nazi, all these terms thrown around, they're talking about our founding fathers. They are talking about the men that created the most impressively remarkable country in the history of the world. So pardon me if I tell the president to shut the F up because I'm done with this. And it's tone deaf and it is bad and it is, it is basically akin to Hillary Rodham Clinton calling us the deplorables and him then, right, taking that put down that I would say perhaps lost her the general election in the end. I, I think it was a pivotal moment in 2016. That pivotal, that slip of the tongue, of course, you know, privately, that's how, you know, she and her ilk refer to uh, hardworking men and women of this country, deplorables. Biden is taking that momentary slip of the tongue and repeating it over and over and over again. This is a losing, and I mean losing, strategy. All right, I'll give you some of the sound bites from when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, 702-820-1234. Call or text anytime uh, because you deserve attorneys that share your values. Uh, this I need to share with you real fast, friends. 
Netflix uh, CEO. You think of Netflix, you think of the CEO. What else do you think of? I think liberal. <laughs> we know this through and through. His name is Ted Sarandos. Now, his wife is a gal named Nicole, Nicole Avant, former ambassador to the Bahamas under President Obama. Oh, you get ambassadorships, friends, when you give uh, presidential candidates big money. Those presidential candidates become president, and then you get rewarded. So that is how those things usually work out. They are both husband and wife team, they are both endorsing Rick Caruso for mayor in L.A. Now, this is important because Rick Caruso is uh, one of these, it's a race to watch. He's registered, he registered himself before the election as a Democrat, but lifetime Republican. Uh, Rick is a tremendously talented real estate developer, and he is the example of a mayoral candidate that has the ability and foresight and conviction to turn a, a mess of a city like L.A. around. And I actually think in many ways he's a prototypical type, you know, private sector guy turned politician who'd come in and clean up a cesspool mess. If Rick was running here in Las Vegas, I would be enthusiastically supporting him. I'll tell you that. Now, the reason I'm bringing up the Netflix CEO guy and his wife is because it was his wife's mother who was violently killed earlier this year in her home, Jacqueline Avant, wife of Clarence Avant. These are the parents of the Netflix CEO's wife, Nicole Avant. Remember, this is the guy who'd been on parole and parole, keeps getting released from jail, no cash bail. Finally, he uh, goes uh, into Beverly Hills in California. Los Angeles County, goes in there with an AK-47, blasts his way through a door, shoots and kills this uh, elderly lady. And it's, you know, apparently gotten the attention even of a couple who've previously donated to the DA whose policies, yes, exactly, donated to the guy whose policies led to the murderer, this filth, disgusting Piece of crap, POC, yes, um, there's a pun in there. Piece of crap human being, okay, to get out and be able to commit this heinous crime. So I, um, I'm, you know, the, the, it's, it's an awakening. There's a funny thing. They, they wrote an open letter to Hollywood. If you are tired of the inhumane way the homeless population lives in the city, the filth that goes unclean, the corruption in City Hall, shrinking law enforcement and rising crime, if you're sick of all that, vote for Rick Caruso. Ted Sarandos of Netflix then writes, Caruso is, quote, the Democrat I've been waiting for with the plan and track record of accomplishing impossible tasks. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the... The Democrat I've been waiting for uh, uh, is actually a Republican. <laughs> is, I don't think these people even understand um, how, how uh, absurd they are. So this is another race. It's not here in Vegas. I get it. But L.A., you know, we remember L.A.'s problems. They come here to Vegas, don't they? We saw it on the stabbing on the strip. 
That was a guy that was let out of jail, sanctuary city, right? LA didn't turn him over to ICE. He was illegal as frick. <laughs> they, and they just, they just let him go, even though he'd had an assault charge pending against him. Let him go, let him loose. And he came to the strip and killed two people. Absolutely frustrating. And this is why it's important to watch what's happening in LA. It's way too close to us for us to just dismiss that cesspool as being irrelevant to us. Now, uh, the speech, Biden's speech, there's, people are concerned about crime to the point that longtime Democrats, Obama Democrats, are turning to Republicans. That's how concerned people are about crime. What is Biden talking about? January 6th. See, when I tell you that this as a strategy is a total loser, I, I think you're understanding where I'm going with all this. So he opens, he opens the, um, the, the speech yesterday, Biden does, with the where's Nancy bit. Here's how it uh, sounded. After the assailant entered the home asking, <clears throat> where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol. On January the 6th, it was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. How do we tie in this attack on Paul Pelosi to January 6th? I know we're going to just say it was the same phrase that was used by protesters uh, on, on January the 6th the armed insurrection. So they're trying to, you know, thread this or weave this, this story, right? Connecting the work that Congress has been trying to do to make this election entirely about January 6th for the past several months, having the show trial in D.C. I don't think it's working. Now, here's what Biden's doing about the election right now. This is why this is so important. The election right now, there's people running. There's people running that are, that are ready to deny the outcome of the election. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit, they will not commit to accepting the results of election that they're running in. This is a path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. Oh, shut up. It's not unprecedented. I just mentioned Stacey Abrams. Remember last, last Democrat running for uh, governor of uh, Georgia? She still hasn't admitted her loss from her last race. Listen to her. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes but we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Just using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I, I don't because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. Back to someone outside asking if I'm ever gonna concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. It was not a free and fair election. Yeah. And by the way, she's not alone. 
I mean, how many times did Hillary go around saying that, you know, this is Trump is an illegitimate president? Now, it took some digging because the internet has deliberately tried to scrub this. But producer Robbie was able to retrieve the audio of Biden agreeing that the Trump presidency was illegitimate. The inconsistency, I'm bothered by the inconsistency of these people's positions. So I'm going to get into that and play that for you when we come back. It's hard to find audio. You're going to enjoy hearing this. All right, friends. I also will have a story, an update about a very bad lawyer. I got an email today from the state bar out in California where I'm also licensed. You'll want to hear that. Sam Rajovsky, back after this. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and glad to have you here with me. We get this time together every weekday for just an hour, 2 to 3 p.m. News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the law firm you can trust to have your back and share your values. Um, Look, uh, I, I want to, I'm just still fascinated by this. Uh, speech that Biden gave yesterday. Also, loving the fact that here in Nevada, people are really turning to the elect to the economy, the state of the economy when it comes to the election. Uh, big factor driving all of this, uh, no doubt. Um, I do also want to point out that Biden himself, when he was running for president played into the narrative that Trump was not a duly elected, legitimate president. And I remember hearing these interactions, and we went to look for some of these clips, and they have, folks, they have disappeared off the internet like nobody's business, particularly this one exchange with an attorney, excuse me, with a, um, a, a, a gal at a campaign stop where... Uh, you know, this, this you know, woman that's got advanced Trump derangement syndrome began kind of shouting at the president that, you know, he, she feels that he, Trump, is illegitimate. And this all was taking place in May of 2019, okay? So this is at a campaign stop. Biden's listening to her. And just tell me what you, you think about this. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. That's it. I think all the talk about impeachment and what the Democrats should do, that's fine. It's theoretical at this point. Let them investigate. Let them subpoena. Let them go to the Supreme Court. He's illegitimate. And my biggest fear is that he's going to do it again with the help of Vlad, his best pal, and we're going to be stuck for six more years with this guy. And that is terrifying. It's terrifying. Would you be my vice president for Canada? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. And one of the things we have to do here. You know, Biden says in his speech yesterday, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refused to accept the results. 
of the 2020 election. If he refuses to accept the will of the people, if he refuses to f accept the fact that he lost, he's abused his power loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. Now here, here's the issue, right? Moments before, I mean moments, right? Two, three years earlier, he's agreeing with people saying that Trump is illegitimate, that he didn't get elected, that he doesn't, shouldn't be in office. And yet for 20 minutes last night, for 15 minutes the day before, for 30 minutes in Pennsylvania, what does this guy continuously harangue us with? Well, you know, all of this nonsense about if you question the legitimacy of the outcome of an election, you are un-American. They are so obsessed with this point that it almost makes me suspicious now of, of you know, what they're doing with the elections. I mean, I just... I, I'm looking at this and I'm going, why are you continuously haranguing this point that no matter what happens with the election, there's nothing to see? No questions can be asked. And this is a very dangerous thing, in fact, for democracy. Uh, when you have its elected leaders, people in charge telling you, no, you cannot ask any questions. No, you cannot question anything. It's funny how the Democratic Party liberals in this country used to be the party that questioned authority. No longer is that the case. So I, you know, I, I'm just, I, we will continue to follow this. I think it's, I think it's a disastrous play and one that will have, you know, uh, great political consequences for the Republicans running <laughs> in the election uh, that's coming up on Tuesday. Now, speaking of Democrats doing naughty things, let me tell you a story. I opened my email today, and I had a um, one of those standard emails I get all the time from the state bar in California. Now, I'm licensed in Nevada. I'm a lawyer here in Nevada, but I also have a license in the state of California. So uh, I, I, get a, I get a notice, an email from the state bar, and this one I clicked on. Usually it's just you know stuff inviting me to some classes and conferences and things that I have very little interest in. But let me reach over here and tell you what was in this email because it was a doozy. By the way, I went and I printed it out, 42 pages. I was, I'm going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to print this out, read it. It might be something interesting for the show. And it was a letter from the Board of Trustees of the State Bar of California. Now, the State Bar in California, the State Bar in Nevada, these are organizations that are charged with the licensing of lawyers and also with uh, oversight of the work that we do. And their uh, duty is to protect you, the public, right? Because there are bad lawyers out there. Now, speaking of bad lawyers, you've probably heard the name Tom Girardi. Now, he's an L.A. lawyer. Uh, some people know Tom from his time on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because he was married, I think maybe still is, I think their divorce is not final, uh, to one of the housewives. I haven't seen, I've probably total seen two minutes of the show. But, you know, on the show, one of the things that you see is you see the lifestyle, right? You see this guy and his kind of grotesquely younger wife parading around on television there 
two private jets and their beautiful mansion in Pasadena and, you know, lifestyle, jewelry and, and, um, and, and this, this creature that he was married to, um, you know, is, is just this blonde bimbo that, you know, is going around talking about all of her stuff, right? It's, it's terrible television. It's really awful, awful television. Now, Tom, at one point in time, Girardi was, was a good lawyer. Uh, he had a great reputation. He got some very, very big verdicts. But one of the things that he did is he used his money to not just buy himself a much younger wife and set her up in a music uh, business career that apparently cost him more money than it produced, but he also spent a lot of money on paying politicians. And there was a New York Times, excuse me, an LA Times article about this, and I have it here in my stack of stuff. Tom Girardi gave millions to Democratic politicians. Was the money stolen for cl from clients? That is, a, that is a title of an article in the, in the LA Times. So you know it's bad. He's probably, the, 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 the allegation is it's around 20 to 30 million that Tom Girardi basically just stole from people, accident victims, folks that had had uh, an unbelievable trauma occur to them, loss of loved ones, loss of life, loss of, uh, you know, mobility, movement. I mean, just disfigurement. He, he, he had some very big cases and essentially used his firm's client trust account as a, as a personal piggy bank. But he gave money to Newsom, uh, to... Uh, Barack Obama, Dianne Feinstein, Hillary, big donor to Joe uh, Biden. Uh, Biden got money from him, by the way, as stuff was already beginning to hit the fan. No word on whether Biden has returned the money, because that money does belong to innocent people who did not deserve to be fleeced. Uh, the, this is fascinating. The state bar decided to do something, and I've been talking about this for a while here. Uh, they decided because this case, had, the, the problem is, is that, you know, this guy, this lawyer was not just giving money to Barack Obama. He was giving money to judges in L.A. He was giving money to people at the state bar. He was hosting lavish parties. He would throw, I mean, this guy knew how to throw a party, folks. He would hire, you know, top-level talent. He'd have... He'd have celebrities come. He, did, he was that kind of guy. And so the state bar in California for years looked the other way, and they're now facing, I mean, an, uh, well, the egg on their face is a, would be an uh, understatement. They're facing some very angry uh, people everywhere going, where the hell were you protecting the public? That's your duty. That's your job. You're supposed to take care of people. And so what the State Bar did today, the email that landed in my, 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 my box, my inbox, was it's, it's coming clean letter. And they basically laid it out. They said, look, it's 40 years of discipline that we overlooked. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That over 40 years, the State Bar opened 205 disciplinary matters, and it wasn't until last year that they disbarred him when it became patently obvious what was going on. And when you go through, then they, then they attach, the reason that this thing was so voluminous from 41 pages is that most of this, the letter itself is maybe three pages, but most of this is just going through the various accounts, right? The type of, of um, 
of reports that people were complaints that people were making to the state bar. And it just, there were NSF charges. This is a guy that is, right, has, has cases that are settling for tens of millions of dollars. Maybe in some cases were hundreds of millions. And his trust account would have an NSF charge, but it would bounce checks. You're never supposed to bounce a check from a client trust account. You're, you, you collect $10 on behalf of the client. Your fee comes out of it. Your costs come out of it. And the client's net comes out of it. It's all supposed to zero out at the end. If you have an NSF, he, I mean, I'm looking through this. The state bar ignored tens, 80 NS, NSF reports. Insufficient, insufficient funds. And it was, this is one of the biggest Democratic LA liberal scandals that people are not talking enough about. Now, one of the reasons a lot of lawyers aren't talking about it is because they knew Tom. And I'm going to be, be open and fair with you here and let you know that it pains me to say this about him now because I, I, I knew him. And uh, met him on a couple of occasions. We were never friends. I never went to any of these parties. We obviously politically do not see eye to eye, so I was not part of that group. But he, at one point, did me a good turn and helped me out with a, with a, with a problem. And, uh, you know, and it was very difficult when this news was breaking to, to criticize someone that, you know, formally I would have called an, a, a friend, it was certainly an acquaintance. But this, um, this, is, this is such a scandal, and it's unbelievable. Listen, if this was a Republican lawyer that was giving money to George W. Bush and Donald Trump and then basically got disbarred for stealing $30 million from his clients, let me tell you, this would be a national news story. ABC, NBC, all the mainstream media, they would be running with this. This guy's name this Republican, fictional Republican that would have done this kind of stuff, <laughs> his name would be, would be common knowledge to every mainstream media consumer in the country. But no one's talking about it. Yeah, the, the LA Times wrote a couple articles. They've, they've got it in for this guy because, you know, they, he gave him the finger a few times. So they're, they're writing about it a little bit, but it's not getting picked up anywhere nationally. And he's a national figure. You know, his, his wife is, in, in, in trash TV circles, pretty famous. Oh, Robbie's asking, what did they, what, what happened to him? Yeah, he, he, he's not dumb. He hired a good lawyer and uh, got himself declared incompetent. Says he has Alzheimer's and he's in a nursing home and his brother uh, has been charged with being his, his legal guardian. And so he can't face criminal charges if he's incapacitated. Absolutely horrific, horrific story. So when here on the show I talk about the need of hiring an ethical lawyer for your case, this is it. And when I say it sometimes is a good idea to hire a lawyer that shares your values, this is a prime example of it. Holy cow. All right, got to run quick break. I'll be back in just a few seconds. No, minutes. <laughs> I'll be back, I promise. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT.
Greetings, friends. Uh, glad to be with you. I just saw in the RJ a news story that the feds, the FBI, busted a pair of catalytic converter thieves. If you live in Las Vegas, you have been probably experienced this firsthand or heard of people that's happened to uh, crooks coming in and stealing catalytic converters. Uh, FBI is involved because they're selling them across state lines. Here at the station, believe it or not, uh, some of our vans... Yes, the vans, they, they came in one night and just took uh, all, cut out the catalytic converters from all the vans so we didn't have any mobile units. So uh, maybe these two a-holes are responsible for that, and if so, hang them. Uh, toot sweet, please. Now, another, another week, another horrifying story from a school. I have three kids, you know this. I am frightened for the world that my kids are growing up in. I don't have any grandkids yet. I'm, I don't even know what to make of that. I'm, I'm, it, it, we've got to take back America from these lunatics, particularly this militant trans movement. Uh, there's a high school in Pasadena, Maryland, Chesapeake High School, waited months and months to suspend a transgender teacher after receiving video evidence of very inappropriate behavior. I watched the video. There's no audio. I'm not going to, no point in playing you a video here on the radio, but let me tell you, let me describe to you what's going on. The trans teacher is dancing around in a banana costume. A number of students are laying on the floor, grinding on each other in a sexual manner. This is at school. In a so-called safe space that is part of the GSA, the Gender and Sexuality Alliance, this teacher was able to get uh, his classroom declared a safe space. So kids, imagine this, right? You're in high school, you're a high school kid. My son's in high school, he's a freshman. So at a private school though, Catholic private school. So <laughs> none of this horse crap goes on there, I think. No, it doesn't. But imagine your, your kid, you know, it's a high school kid, and you go, oh, excuse me, Mr. So-and-so, I need a moment. And the school, the teachers were not allowed to prevent kids from literally walking out of class. Can you imagine? Yeah, I don't know what kind of high school you went to, but I'll tell you, for sure, my high school, there's no way in hell. <laughs> oh, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Stearns, I'd like to uh, go. I need, a, I need to go to some uh, safe space. I'll be back in 20. <laughs> right. So this male to female trans social studies teacher ran this GSA place, this safe space. Kids were doing all sorts of perverted stuff in there. Uh, basically, I would, I would describe it as for the pleasure of the teacher. The teacher, by the way, ultimately got canned because of a number of things. One of the things was, believe it or not, huh, having a lot of unsanctioned communication with students on platforms that were not school communication platforms on Instagram, on Facebook chat, WhatsApp, text messages, etc. And by the way, the parents that brought this to light, they were actually retaliated against by disciples of this teacher who became kind of a cult-like figure in the school. This uh, male-to-female trans teacher, Willa Horde, uh, had lots and lots of communication. By the way, it posted, I saw a, a screen grab 
of a social media post. Hey, congrats, all the graduating seniors. This is high school, 22 grads. I can't wait to see what you do out there in the world. And by the way, now you can, you can, uh, you can text me on, here's my cell phone number. You text me anytime about tattoos and stuff. I can't even, <laughs> can't even say it here on the radio. Crazy stuff. If you need any answers on life, come text me. Let me turn this around for you. Imagine for a minute that a male, I know this is a male too, but um, a real male that is not pretending to be a woman, teacher, okay, is um, texting student minors after hours, is communicating with them on Instagram, is engaging in conversations about sex with minors. How would we look at that, right? What would we do? We would be immediately appalled. The police would be called that day. This would become an issue immediately. But the minute that this guy says he's a woman and says he's trans, all of a sudden he gets special protection. See how this works? I'm telling you. Most of these people, this, this, this stuff is just, it's a screen. It's a smoke screen. It's a disguise. We have some real perverts out there taking advantage of our youth. I am not going to stand for it. Neither will you. So let's, uh, let's vote Republican. Tell them how we feel. Sam Rajofsky, I'll see you back tomorrow here. Over and out.